Welcome to Salem Alliance Church. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. We're continuing our series called The Games People Play. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. Good morning. It's good to have you here today, and uh, I have good news. One more Sunday of fruit snacks. This is it. Today is the day. You have to wait all the way till next August for the fruit snacks again. If the ushers would bring them down and pass those around, and if there's enough, you might take an extra one. There is one service left, but that's it, so enjoy it. I'm Mike Jarrett. I'm the pastor of Family Ministries, Peacemaking, and Men's Ministries. And today we're going to talk about Angry Birds. How many of you have played Angry Birds? Okay, okay. If you, if you were not here in the pre-service, here's a little demonstration. Basically, the word is that the, the pigs got hungry and ate some of the birds' eggs. And the birds got angry and went after the pigs. And the whole game is about the birds trying to get to the pigs and the pigs trying to defend themselves from the birds. It's just a game of constant conflict and nothing's ever resolved. They keep doing the same thing over and over again. You just pull back the slingshot and sling at the the, uh, pigs. They do the same thing over and over again and get the same results and ultimately both the pigs and the birds end up disintegrated. Sound familiar? You go to higher levels, it looks different, but then you start playing and it's the same old game. Somehow that sounds a whole lot like the way we deal with conflict. You remember a few weeks ago, Rod Pepping was talking about Monopoly, and he said that that in the 85 years that Monopoly has been on the market, that they have sold over 250 million games. And when he said that, we were all amazed. That's unbelievable, 250 million. Angry Birds has been available for five years and there have been two billion downloads. That's equivalent to 28% of the world's population. Now that's unbelievable. This crazy game, maybe it does strike at that piece in us that just goes for conflict, but I have one better. I have one better. Conflict has been downloaded 7.3 billion times since August the 1st of this year. That's equivalent to 100% of the world's population. You're all in awe. I made that up. (laughs) But I think it's accurate because, because conflict is, is everywhere. When there are two people or three people or 10 people, inevitably there will be the spark of conflict. All of us know that. We know that when we talk about conflict, it's relevant to every one of us. It's part of the condition of human beings that we always are in the midst of conflict. Now, I want you to help me out today. I wanna ask you to circle up into groups of three or four for just about a minute And just as quickly as you can in that group, list the main things that we have conflicts about. Now, don't confess your own conflicts, just just in general. 
What are those things? Just circle up now for just a minute and talk about what are those kinds of things we have conflict. Okay, you're having, you're having too much fun. Let's come back together. Did you notice it didn't take you a minute to start that conversation? Because we all know. What, over here, just yell it out loud because it's hard to hear up here. What are some of the things that you came up with over here? Somebody said everything. <laughs> any, any others? Money, okay. What, parenting, okay. What about over in these sections? Politics, big one. What was that? Love, okay, or not, yeah. What about over here? Potty training, that's a new one, I haven't had that one yet. Okay. Okay, what else, up here? I can't hear you. Toys, okay. Okay, somebody, somebody in, in the last service said me. God was honored. Somebody was being fully honest. But we could go on. We could talk about a hundred things that cause conflict. Conflict is, is always out there, and, and there are all kinds of reasons that we have conflict. We are so different and, and, and so varied in, in our, the way we think and feel and experience life. So the question is, and this is always the question, conflict will happen. The question is, how will we deal with it when it happens? Now, all of us walk around carrying two buckets wherever we go. We're carrying gasoline and water. And when the spark of conflict happens, we always have a choice. What are we going to put on the spark? Are we going to throw a little gasoline on the spark and cause it to flare more? Or are we going to put a little water on the spark and help it to calm down and be resolved? Which way do we tend to go? We tend to be gasoline people. It's in our nature. But God is calling us toward the water side, and that's what we're going to look at today so how do we deal with conflict when conflict happens? There are really about three ways that we deal with conflict. The first one is the natural response. The natural response is just whatever comes out of your mouth when the spark happens. Whatever thought comes into your mind, whatever attitude rises up in you, whatever action you feel like, and all of us have been there. Conflict happens, emotion rules, and we just say things, do things that we wouldn't normally do, but in the moment of the emotion, we just go with it. So there's that way, and I think we'd agree that's, that's a gasoline kind of way. 
The second way is our learned responses. Every one of us learned how to play the game of conflict early in life. We all learned a way to deal with conflict in our families of origin. And for some of us, when conflict popped up, everybody shut down. We don't do that. We don't deal with that. We stuff it. We act like it's not there. We deny it. And so for some of us, that's, that's how we learn to deal with conflict. For others of us in our homes, when, when the spark happened, everything went off. Voices raised. Everybody gets animated. Everybody is loud, and we're going after each other and deal, trying to deal with the conflict. For me, a story some of you have heard me tell this. When I was, when I was five or six years old, my older brother and sister were in constant conflict. There were two or three years. I don't know what it was about. They were at each other all the time. And I remember specifically one day standing and watching it happen. My brother and sister exploded. They were going after it. My brother picked up a clock and threw it, hoping to clock my sister. <laughs> Fortunately, he missed. But my parents in the other room obviously heard the noise came in, my brother and sister got in big trouble, and I remember sitting there watching that and that ongoing thing that was happening with them, I made a vow as a kid, I am not going to do conflict. I'm going to keep everybody happy. I'm going to keep mom and dad happy. I'm going to keep everybody happy because I don't like the way that feels, and I'm not going to do it. And to this day, that's my default. I have to really work not to immediately go to, oh, I don't deal with conflict. Everybody stay happy and everything's okay. We all have our learned ways. And most of our learned ways, whether it's loud and boisterous and dumps big loads, or whether it's quiet and, and pushing away and just splashes gasoline, most of them are gasoline kinds of responses. But the third response is what we really want to talk about today, and that's a Christ-like response when the spark of conflict happens. And when, a, when we have a Christ-like response, rather than escalating the conflict and damaging the relationship, it leads to reconciliation and resolution of the issue. When we respond in a Christ-like way, we have the greatest chance the greatest possibility of being able to resolve an issue, be reconciled, and be able to move forward with nothing left behind. And so, let's look at that. We start with a challenge from Scripture. Romans 12, 18 says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it is possible, it takes two people to fully resolve an issue. You can't fully resolve an issue just by yourself. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, we are called to respond in a Christ-like way whether the other person or persons choose to respond in that way in return. As far as it depends on us, we will be water people, even if the other person is throwing gasoline. 
Live at peace with everyone. In the context of this scripture, it's right in the middle of a section of Romans that's talking about love your enemies, bless those who persecute you, uh, treat them with love when they don't treat you with love. It's right in the middle of that section. So that's the challenge that we have. And then James 4.1 begins to help us understand conflict a little more. What's really going on in the midst of conflict? James 4.1 says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? All of life is really about desires. Every day of our life, from the time we get up in the morning till we go to bed at night, we are walking through a checklist of desires. We don't think about it. We're not conscious of it. But when you, when you get out of bed and you start walking toward the bathroom, you desire that there will be warm water in the shower. And when you get out of the shower and you start to get dressed, you go to the closet, you desire that there will be clo clean clothes hanging in the closet that you can put on to, to go wherever it is you need to go. And when you, when you are there in your home, you're desiring, whether it's family or friends that you're roommates with, you're desiring that, that those persons will treat you in a kind and respectful way. If you're going to school, when you drive up to school, you look around, you desire to see a face of a friend so you can go to that friend and not be alone and you'll have some friends to hang with. When you walk into the classroom, you don't want to be bullied by someone. You want your teacher to, to be able to teach you clearly the things you need to learn. You desire those things. When you go to work, you desire that your boss will treat you with respect. You desire that the workload will be manageable. You desire that your coworkers will not try to dump some of their work on you and make life more difficult. You see, wherever we go, whatever we do, Every day of our lives, we are dealing with our desires. And most of those desires are fine. They're good desires. There's nothing wrong with the desires. Now, there are some other desires we have sometimes that are just selfish and mean-spirited. But most of those desires are fine. So how does conflict happen? Conflict happens when one of my desires is not met by someone. Or someone blocks one of my desires. Conflict happens when someone does not meet my desires or someone blocks my desires being fulfilled. And when that happens, we begin to focus. Focus in on this conflict. And our first focus, if we have been the one who, if we are the one who has done something wrong, we said something we shouldn't have. We did something that was hurtful. And the other person comes to us and confronts us. We immediately tend to focus on defending ourselves. Everything goes into defensive mode. I begin to justify what I did. Well, it really wasn't that bad. What's the problem? I begin to shift blame. Well, I, if you hadn't have done that, I wouldn't have done this. It's because of the kind of day I've had. We go into all of these things to, to shift. It's not my fault. It's your fault. It's somebody else's fault. We minimize it. What's your problem? You're getting all upset about nothing. I didn't do anything. And we, we, we defend ourselves making excuses for what we have done. 
On the other hand, when we're the one who has been offended, when we're the one that someone has hurt, we focus another way. We get totally focused in on that person, what he did, what she didn't do, what he should have done, what she shouldn't have done. And we get totally focused in, and the only answer is that that person needs to straighten up, do the right thing, begin to do what I want them to do. And we get focused in that way. And both of those focuses, they're gasoline. They do not help the spark go down. They add fuel to the fire of the conflict. But here's the meat, here's the meat of the message today. I want you to remember this. First, remember this word. Refocus. Refocus. When the spark of conflict happens, when that moment happens that you know, okay, conflict has started, stop, take a breath, step back, and refocus. Refocus first on God. God help me. God, help me to calm down. Help me to think straight. Help my emotions to settle. Holy Spirit, come in and give me the strength to respond in the way that I need to. Soften my heart toward this person and this situation. God, I need your help. If I go my way, I will go the way of habit. I will go my natural response. It won't be what it should be. So God, Help me deal with this situation in the way that you would want me to deal with it. Help me to respond in a Christ-like way. That's our first focus. Stop. We bring God in. And when we bring God into it, two things happen. First of all, if I bring God into it, it's a lot harder for me to go off on the other person and to start splashing gasoline. Because I'm in conversation with God here. But secondly, and more importantly, when I bring God into it, God shows up. His spirit responds to that prayer and will begin to help us calm down, think through, and respond in a way that is a way of putting some water on that conflict that it can begin to be resolved. And so first... I focus on God. Secondly, I refocus on myself. I focus on myself. I just get honest with myself about my part in this whole thing. What have I done? Drop the pride, just be honest. If I am the one that started this thing, I said something, I did something, I didn't do something, and I have hurt this other person, I've upset the other person, then I take 100% responsibility for my part. Maybe my part is 95%. I take 100% responsibility. I just get honest and say, I did it. No defenses, no excuses. This is what I did. On the other hand, if I'm the person that was offended, you know, I tend to say, hey, I'm innocent. I don't have anything, I don't have any part in this, but if I have been offended and when that person said something, did something, whatever, and instead of starting into the Christ-like response process, 
I followed my natural response or my learned response, and either I went after the person because of what they had done, or I grew cold and put up a wall and began to, to back away from them and maybe even go talk to somebody else about how bad they are and what they've done. Then even though I didn't start it, I have a piece I have a piece in the ongoing development of this conflict. And so I have to take 100% responsibility of maybe my 5%. But the first thing we look at ourselves and say, how have I contributed to what's happening here? And, and first confess that to God. You know, God, I'm sorry. God, this is what I've done, and it wasn't right. God, help me. And so sometimes we have, to, we have to practice really just stand in front of the mirror sometime. Put your hands down at your side and look in the mirror and say, I did it. I'm guilty. That was wrong. No excuses, no defenses. We sometimes have to practice because we're so natural at dodging and, and putting up the defenses. But that's what focusing in on ourselves, fully honest with ourselves about what we've done and asking God to help us and prepare our hearts to have the next focus, which is then after we focus on God, after we focus on ourselves, then we focus on going to the other person. We focus on the other person. And the question becomes, what should I do what can I do that will help me engage this other person in a conversation that we can begin to work through this conflict? What should I do? How do I do that? And, and at the heart of that is really the whole issue of, of being humble. Matthew 18, 15 says, if your brother sins against you, go just between the two of you. That's the bottom line. But we go humbly. How do we go humbly? To go humbly is really to go with your arms down. To go humbly is always to be a bit vulnerable. To go humbly is to go honestly to that person in the right spirit that God has helped you have to have the conversation. And a part of that as even as we've confessed to God our part, then we go to admit to the other person, to confess to the other person our part in that. And this is so important. One of the most powerful things we can do when there's a conflict and we go to the person to begin the conversation to deal with it, one of the most powerful things we can do is to begin that conversation with our own confession to say, before we, we get started, I just need to say to you that I did this and it was wrong and I'm very sorry for that. Just want to start the conversation there. And, the other, and that's even if yours is the 5% and if yours is the 95%. But when we do that, there's something there that most of the time it brings the temperature down. It begins to settle the emotions so that we can begin to have that conversation 
where we talk truthfully and honestly about what needs to be talked about. We do it humbly with grace. It opens up the conversation. So how do you prepare to, to have that confession? Here's some things, four things that, that we need to remember as we go honestly and humbly to the other person. The first thing is to avoid if, but, or maybe. If I hurt you, I'm sorry. If? It sounds like I'm saying, I don't really think I hurt you, but you seem to be upset, so I'm going to apologize. Not very good. I'm sorry I came home in such a bad mood and I yelled at you, but I had such a bad day at work. It's not my fault. I know I just threw up all over you, but it's not my fault. It's my work's fault. I'm I'm innocent. I'm sorry that I said that, but you make me so angry. It's your fault. I'm as innocent as a, I'm totally innocent. It's your fault. You made me do it. If, but, maybe. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. What does that say? Maybe I should have, and you need to get over it. I don't see any problem with it. That's your problem. See, we, we naturally, we naturally dodge being honest with those kinds of words when we try to confess and admit to one another what we have done. So avoid if, but, or maybe. No excuses. Again, stand in front of the mirror. Say it to the mirror with your hands down. The second one is to admit specifically. Admit specifically. It's one thing to say, I'm sorry I hurt you. Well, that's good. But if I say, I'm sorry that when I came in the door, I took out my frustration on you and I said some things to you that were harsh, that were wrong, and I'm sorry for that. You see how much more powerful that is? To admit specifically does two things. First, it helps you hear again what you've done. And if you're a a good-hearted person... You hear what you've done and you go, oh, I don't want to do that. And it's a part of the process of helping you deal with what you have done. The second thing is that it helps the person that you have offended know that you know what you're talking about. It's no, I'm sorry I hurt you. They know you get what you did because you can never change unless you get what you did. And so we admit specifically The third one is to alter our behavior. To make an apology without any sincere heart to change and to quit doing what you did is just hot air. It's not worth anything. And so part of the work of God in our hearts when we're focused on ourselves is to genuinely desire to change. Genuinely desire not to continue doing what we're doing. Stop that habit and and do what you should do. And so we alter our behavior. I've met with hundreds of couples over the years, and this is a scenario that I've seen more than once. A couple comes in and sits down, and and I say, tell me your story. Why are we here today? And they'll begin to talk, and often the wife will begin to talk, and she's sharing the story, and the story is a whole lot about him. And he's starting to squirm and and get a little bit uncomfortable. And and he turns to his wife and says, Honey, why do we have to keep going over this again and again and again? I told you I'm sorry. 
And when a guy says that, I always just kind of scoot my chair back. Because the next thing is, yes, you've said you're sorry a hundred times, and nothing has ever changed. When we confess, we have to have a heart willing to change. By God's grace, I'm going to quit that. If old habits are hard to change sometimes, it may take time to get there, but we go to confess and honestly talk through a conflict with a heart that is willing, seeking God's help, desiring to stop that kind of behavior and to begin to respond appropriately to the other person. And then the fourth one is we ask for forgiveness. Will you forgive me? And when we ask for forgiveness, sometimes we have to wait. We can't demand forgiveness. We can't expect the person in that moment just to say, of course I forgive you. Little things and some things that a person can forgive you quickly. Some things that maybe have stirred up more pain, more hurt, more offense, the other person maybe have to honestly say, I can't forgive you yet. I've got to work through this a little bit more. Give me a little bit of time. And when that happens, we have to back off and give them time to work through that. But when we do this, it opens the hearts, it brings God in, and something new and different can happen in our relationships in this area of conflict. Karen, my wife, and I have been married for 37 years. And for the first 25 years, we would both say we had a good marriage, but honestly, we didn't deal with conflict very well. We would have a conflict, and, and of course, I'm trying to squirm out and not deal with conflict, and, and she's more, let's talk about it. Let's get it on the table here. Let's, let's talk through this thing. And I didn't like the feeling of conflict, and so we'd go through our process and, and, and play our game and, and use our rules, and, and we'd start, and maybe our voices got high, or maybe we got cold and distant. And then all of a sudden, one of the four kids would come in, and life goes on, or one of us had to go off to work. And, and so we'd go on about our life, and the temperature would come down, and everything went along, but the issue was never resolved, and under the surface, there were these little issues. And everything's fine, and I'm keeping everybody happy, and poof, one of those issues popped back up, popped back up, same old issues. And, and we couldn't get through that. We couldn't clean up all of the stuff that was there. And once the two of us began to study this that I'm talking about today, once we began to take this into our lives and by God's grace and with God's help, begin to make this a part of how we deal with each other, of how we work through conflict, it absolutely changed our marriage in that area. And it changed our marriage because that area can be such a big piece of, of a relationship. We no longer have unresolved conflicts. We still have conflict. We're still human and we're still man and woman and all that stuff. But when we have conflicts, we're learning more and more to begin to refocus and deal with it in this way and we, and we can get through it. And we can get to the will you forgive me, yes I forgive you stage. And so that it's cleaned up and we go on and when the next conflict comes, we're not dealing with 10 things that are unresolved, we're only dealing with what just happened. And so I encourage you, take this into your life. Pray this into your life. It will make a huge 
difference in this whole area of how we deal with conflict. And you can become a water person instead of a gasoline person. Remember, refocus. Refocus on God, on yourself, and then on the other person. Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. If you'd like more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org.